Hello and welcome to the AJ on the Line podcast, where we're going to review the Monaco Grand Prix, the jewel in the crown of the calendar. We discussed this week Max Verstappen taking the championship lead for the first time, heartbreak for Charles Leclerc, a Mercedes meltdown, and much, much more. Let me just give you a quick recap, first of all. The hometown hero, Charles Leclerc, snatched arguably the most important pole position on Saturday with a blistering first lap and a huge crash on his second lap. And that stopped the count with the Monegasque on top. Heartbreak, though, came on Sunday when he got his rebuilt Ferrari back on track and discovered that the push rod wasn't working. And that gifted Max Verstappen not pole position but he was starting from the front of the pack the dutchman didn't really look back cutting off his nearest rival bottas and sailing off into the sunset verstappen and red bull's rivals mercedes had arguably as bad a day if not worse than leclerc with bottas dropping out of the race with a cross-threaded wheel uh, and it's probably still on the car as we speak and hamilton struggled for pace and had a poor strategy, leading to a 7th place finish. The other two on the podium were Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris, both of which drove brilliantly. Sergio Perez also joined them with a 4th place finish, starting ninth, not bad around Monaco. While the driver of the day, Sebastian Vettel, got his season's campaign finally underway, with a strong 5th place finish. As Formula 1 moves on from Monte Carlo, Max Verstappen and Red Bull were on the money and they leave with the lead. Joe, let's start with you. What did you think of the Monaco Grand Prix? I think it was a bit of a boring race, but with an exciting result. So whether you want to decide whether that's worth it or not, um, it's up to you, really. Well, yeah, it was huge for the championship with Red Bull snatching the lead of both constructors and drivers. But as you say, it wasn't that interesting, but... Joe and I were talking about this before we came on the podcast and we were saying, well, you don't really expect Monaco to be the most entertaining race. And it really did live up to expectation. Um, the, the biggest inc- incident was probably Lance Stroll going off at the swimming pool chicane. Which we all wanted to see. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, it was such a big incident that it overrided us being able to see who came out on top in the battle between Sebastian Vettel and Pierre Gassi on the way up the hill towards Casino Square. Anyway, I'm getting carried away. Jimmy, what did you think of the Monaco Grand Prix? It was a bit boring, but huge for the championship, right? It's actually worked out very nicely for the championship, I think. You know, Verstappen's in the lead the first time that he's been in the lead uh, ever, and also Red Bull for a very, very long time. So it looks like uh, the championship's back on because I thought maybe Mercedes were pulling away slightly. But now uh, it's very exciting and I'm made up for, for Lando and also for science as well. So, yeah, um, it was a boring race, but it had some quite interesting bits and bobs in it. Definitely. And it was nice to see the former teammates. And, and there is a bromance between Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz. It was nice to see them on the podium. Jimmy, who was our biggest winner? in the Monaco Grand Prix? I'd have to say Max Verstappen. Um, I think that he 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 drove quite a, a simple race in many respects, but he you know he was first and he's leading the championship. So I don't... Yeah, it, it's not definitely a bad day for him. So yeah, I definitely think he's the winner, for sure. Well, the reality is he did everything that he needed to do. While others made mistakes around him, he was 
solid and mature. So you, you've got to give it to Max on, on that front. It makes sense. It's a good shout, Jimmy. But Joe, do you have an alternative point of view? Well, I went a bit more outside the box than apparently I needed to because I just assumed he was going to go Lando. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but um, I actually went for a Esteban Ocon. Um, I know it's a bit a bit weird one, um, but he's finished way ahead of Alonso again. Um, and I don't know about you, but I really thought coming into the season that it could get embarrassing for Ocon. It could potentially even be like a career-ending season if he if Alonso did to him what he's done to previous teammates in the past. But he's actually doing really well against him, and he's bringing in the points for Alpine, whereas Alonso isn't. Um, and I think he, you know, he's got more than double his points. Um, so I think it's just been really good. A couple races, but particularly here, to get the points with Alonso so far down, especially in qualifying. Um, just a really good weekend for him. It's a fascinating predicament, uh, driver-wise, that Alpino going towards because they've got Ocon performing brilliantly, like you say. Fernando Alonso, he's a proven driver and, and no one's ever going to knock that. You've also got Wanyu Zhou in, in Formula 2 performing highly. He's leading the championship. And then you look at Pierre Gassi, who... Fantastic job yesterday for him. I was tempted to go with him as well for biggest winner. He had a fantastic drive, but he's been linked for almost a year now to Alpine. And, and you almost wonder whether there's no more room in the inn to even consider Pierre Gassi. And isn't that a shame that Pierre Gassi probably won't go to Red Bull again. I don't know where he's going to go. It, it would be a travesty if he did leave Formula One because he is an exceptional driver. He's a race winner. He's been absolutely fantastic since he got dropped by Red Bull. I can hardly think of a driver that's done a better job than him, really. Lando Norris. Yeah, but, but Hamilton, Verstappen, maybe Norris. But but yeah, I, it's, it's hard to understand where Pierre Cassidy fits into the pieces in in future years but that's not to take anything away from Esteban Ocon who had a second chance in Formula One with Alpine and he seems to have grabbed the opportunity now that Daniel Ricciardo's finished beating him up so so yeah it's a it's a great shout I kind of did think in the box rather than outside like that I'll be honest and I, I just put that the biggest winner was the Formula One World Championship this race wasn't the most exciting, but in terms of the championship, it's wide open now. Verstappen's going to be ahead, or Verstappen and Red Bull are ahead, but Mercedes always seem to come back towards the end of the season. Um, and if the Spanish Grand Prix is anything to go off, Mercedes have a good all-round car. So it will be interesting to see how the battle plays out between these great teams. And if Ferrari can get in, in the mix again in some of the slow corner tracks then even better so we'll move on the biggest loser i once again went for the obvious choice and that was mercedes not just mercedes lewis hamilton and valtteri bottas all over the weekend pretty much they had a bad time at the office uh valtteri bottas as we've mentioned already his car still has his his wheel fitted that wasn't a good race. He didn't drive too badly. He was able to switch on the tyres better than Hamilton, who, after Mercedes made changes to both of their cars, 
um, on Saturday. He couldn't switch on the tyres. He had no grip, no confidence. And other than the fastest lap of the race point, that, that was about as, as good as it got for him. But they got to move forward somehow. And that's what they're going to have to do. Uh, but Jimmy... Are you going to agree with me on that, or are you going to think differently? No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree with you um, f- for sure. Um, I think, I think Mercedes had a, a terrible weekend. I think, unfortunately, things like that, the pit stop—they're very freak accidents, so you can't really do much about them. I mean, you couldn't predict that going to happen. Maybe they'd cock up with the tires or something like that. But I mean, to have a cross-threaded wheel and having have him having to retire just because they can't get the wheel off which is such an unusual event it is very unfortunate uh, but I also think on an individual basis maybe Ricardo was one of the biggest losers as well Mr Mr Monaco I own these streets in his crash helmet um, and yeah Lando got a podium uh, and he finished 12th unfortunately so yeah a bit of soul searching for him but definitely Mercedes for sure the biggest losers and, and Ricardo was one second off Norris wasn't he at, at one point? Well, he got he got lapped by him, didn't he? I mean, any time you get lapped by your teammates, not a not a pleasant feeling. Mm. Nah. And it's not that Ricardo's suddenly become a bad driver. There's something not quite right there. But Lando Norris, it, he's just gaining more and more confidence. And fair play to him for that. You've got to. And and now he's got a multiple year contract with McLaren. Uh, that that confidence and. Um, in knowing that McLaren is his team and he's building the team around him, that's going to grow and grow, which can only look good for Lando. Joe, who's your biggest loser? Well, I'm more than willing to accept that it is Mercedes, but uh, I kind of want to continue a debate we were having last week, so I'm I'm going to uh, actually say that Charles Leclerc is this week's biggest loser. Um, I can see your face drop there as I said that. Um, but... Um, I just think that it's a, it's a very, very silly mistake to make to bin your car like that when you're on provisional pole. Um, and speaking of about the debate we had last week, Verstappen or Leclerc, I just think at the moment Verstappen's better, and this is why, because Charles made a fair few mistakes in crucial moments. He gave away the podium in Turkey last year um, and... This one, obviously, those are the two that come off the top of my head. One thing I will say, it's very comparable to sort of 2017-18 Verstappen. And that's how experienced Verstappen was at the time. So, will we see Charles grow out of it? I hope so. Uh, And I think so as well. But yeah, I think it's just an interesting point. No, I take your point and it does show the experience because, of course, Max did make the exact same mistake coming out of the swimming pool chicane and, and, and just hitting the inside apex uh, by turning early. He did it in practice three for both 17 and 18, wasn't it? Yeah. So, he yeah. So yeah, I still think Leclerc, yeah, he's the biggest loser because it's his, it's his home race, isn't it? You you want to be winning your home race and he didn't. So I, I take your point, but it's got to be Mercedes. Oh, no, it ha- yeah, no, I... I agree wholeheartedly that it was Mercedes. I just wanted to talk about Charles Leclerc. Uh, so, Joe, we'll stay with you. Okay, so what was your moment of the weekend? Just seeing um, 
both McLaren and Ferrari back on the podium at the same time. You know, it's been a fair while since we've seen that, I think. And to have those two historic teams back on the podium, uh, I'd love to see it a lot more regularly this year. It reminds me of, of the days where I started watching Formula One, where those two were the biggest teams. I don't know about you, Joe. Yeah, definitely. Um, they're obviously uh, two very historic teams. Um, both you and I started watching F1 when they were the two best teams. Um, so I'd love to see them both on the podium as much as possible. Maybe McLaren a bit more than Ferrari. Um, but to see them both competing can only be good for the sport, I think. Absolutely. And on that, Joe, my moment of the weekend was also on the podium but it was also it was the fact that Charles Leclerc came out to applaud and congratulate Carlos Sainz it would have been very easy to just go home and mope about and and not celebrate it with the team but he seems like a proper Ferrari through and through sort of guy and yeah it was good to see if you were skeptical you might argue that he was only there because Netflix were filming Ferrari and it just looks good, but... Oh, I hadn't thought of that. I, I don't think that that's the reason. Charles Leclerc seems like a genuinely nice guy, and, yeah, that was nice to see. No, I do, yeah. I do rate him for doing that, but equally I would have uh, rated him for pulling a Raikkonen and going straight to his boat. So, you know, nice to see, but I think Kimmy's just a little bit cooler. Jimmy, what was your moment of the weekend my my moment of the week was when Pierre Gasly and uh, Vettel were jostling for position up the hill because that was the only bit of uh, sort of track action we got apart from Schumacher and uh, Nikita Mazepin on the first corner going into the hairpin turn Um, yeah absolutely Um, it was so close between those two in fact Pierre Gasly said that he went up to Vettel after the race and said that he was only a centimetre uh, away from crashing into him. So it it was very, very tight. And maybe a bit more on that later. So Joe, what's your honourable mention? I just wanted to talk about the absolutely terrible camera work, race direction, interviews and everything this week. Because I think it needs to be talked about. There, there was there was one thing that happened all race, one thing, and it wasn't on camera. I mean, how how can you get it that badly wrong? And then and then after that, after the race, you know, we want to hear from all the drivers and stuff, you know. But it turns out Serena Williams won the uh, the Monaco Grand Prix. Now I know she's an absolutely amazing athlete, you know, one of the best sports people ever. But she definitely did not win the 2021 Monaco Grand Prix. So she didn't need interviewing, did she? No, it was just it was a really weird thing um, that they seem to think people want to see different sports people interviewed over you know the person who's just won the race. On the plus side, on the plus side, um, the shoddy camera work has uh, produced some brilliant uh, moments of people editing the clip over infamous sporting moments or indeed films as you uh sent me earlier which which was quite funny but generally just terrible well yeah it would have made sense maybe if serena williams had been interviewing max verstappen but that really wouldn't have worked as well as 
David Coulthard or Martin Brundle uh, because they know what they're talking about. No offence to Serena Williams. So your honourable mention was a bit of a grumble, but I think it's a grumble shared by many people around the world. Jimmy, is it more positive or is it going to be another grumble this moment? Oh, no, this honourable mention. No, my honourable mention will go to Sebastian Vettel. Um, getting fifth. I think that he, he had a tough start to the season uh, and a lot of people, including me, sort of wrote him off as, uh, you know, damaged goods and, you know, he's never going to be back to his be- best self and everything like that. Um, however, um, he he had a very good strategy uh, on, on Sunday and I thought that getting fifth and battling Gasly for a brief moment up the hill uh, was brilliant and I think, yeah, he fully deserves it, I think. Um, he's stuck at it and he's sort of proved himself, which is good. Yes, absolutely. I, I went the same way and gave Seb Vettel the honourable mention. I mean, he's now getting to grips with this Aston Martin, it seems. I know that Monaco is only a one-off race uh, compared to other circuits, but still, you're seeing Sainz performing well for Ferrari. You're seeing Seb Vettel performing well for Aston Martin it's just Daniel Ricciardo still, unfortunately, not performing for McLaren. Um, so it it probably highlights him not doing as well a little bit more, but that's not to take anything away from what Seb's done. And I, I liked his comment, actually, on the radio um, where he he had something in his eye and he wasn't sure if he was bleeding or crying, but he felt emotional. And then his team gave him an eye patch to be a pirate and he was wearing it during an interview so he's still got a sense of humor he, and he seemed like he had his mojo back didn't he i think we all want to see him back with uh, a bit of confidence um you know it's always sad seeing him look a bit miserable at press conferences and stuff um i think we all hope that this year you know being the sort of like plucky underdog team might help with that but yeah, this is the first race where he's looked quite cheerful and I hope we see it a bit more. I'm going to just tell you about my AJ on the line line of the week and this came from Toto Wolf, and it was following practice two on Thursday in fact so cast your minds back um, and Toto Wolf was talking about the fact that Mercedes are only going to make minor tweaks on the current car from now on focusing most of their attention on the 2022 car. Now, given that they're in a big battle with Red Bull, do you think that this is actually true or a little bit of mind games by Toto Wolf? Jimmy? I'd probably say a little bit of mind games, to be honest. Um, I think that, yeah, no doubt that they'll be focusing on the 2022 car. That's that's a given. Um, But I think that he's potentially playing a bit of mind games with with Horner, or it might be true, you never know. Covering all bases that there. Was <laughs> it was, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's an interesting one, because obviously, probably the better long-term strategy would be to focus on 2022. But, I mean, do you really want to give up a championship? I mean, Red Bull are famously great at developing their car late season. Um, so, we'll have to see. I mean, and also... Bear in mind, first place gets more prize money to develop their 2022 car with. So, you know, it might not pay off. But are Red Bull famous for developing their car because Mercedes stopped developing their car so early? That is an interesting point, yeah. I don't know. 
I feel like Mercedes are confident that they've got a good car after Spain mm-hmm. on most yeah. circuits. Perhaps they can get away with that. But do you really want to leave it to chance? I sense there will be a few upgrades here and there. And that yeah. this is all part of the big battle off the track as well as on it mm-hmm. uh, between Toto and Christian Horner. Uh, obviously, Red Bull had it all going their way and they, they looked incredibly intelligent compared to Mercedes this week. But yeah, it, time will tell, as as they always say. Joe, what was your AJ on the line line of the week? Continuing on from our happy Sebastian Vettel theme from earlier, I enjoyed his uh, crazy frog throwback. Um, you know, a sound that really cursed my childhood. You know, I used to hate it when he did that. That and the finger. We all remember the finger. Um, obviously, I used to get upset um, when he used to beat uh, Lewis and Jensen in those McLarens. Um, but for once, it was very nice to hear it. Um, you know, again, we all like to see him do well, I think. Especially now he's not fighting Lewis for the championship. He's a good guy, isn't he? Yeah. So, turns out it's actually quite an enjoyable celebration after all. Hopefully, we'll see him on the podium at some point. That would be nice to see. After all, he's gone through at Ferrari. I know he had a podium Definitely. towards the end of last year. But, Jimmy, did you have... Uh, AJ on the line, line of the week, lined up for us. I did, yeah. I was going to do what Joe said. It's amazing how our minds just, it links into what I said earlier with Vettel and in sort of the renaissance and uh, how he's his sort of uh, getting better and better and sort of uh, getting his form back and everything. I, I think uh, it's just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant thing to say. And well done, Joe. I agree. Well, clearly... Joe has had his way once again with his brilliant influence. Let's look ahead to Baku in a couple of weeks' time. It's another street circuit. There's a longer straight. And Red Bulls still have their flexible wing that people are quite unhappy about. Not least Toto Wolf. Joe, what's your sensible prediction and what's your not-so-sensible prediction? for Baku. My sensible prediction is uh, we're going to get normal service resumed for Stappen Hamilton 1-2 in which order I don't know. Not so sensible prediction. Which Ricardo are we going to get for Baku? Are we going to get the reverse into the opposition? Are we going to get crash into the teammate type of uh, Ricardo or are we going to do a triple overtake type of Ricardo? Next week. Yeah, it's been a it's been a real mixed bag for Ricardo, hasn't it? Uh, Baku, some terrible ones, but then some some a really good drive there as well. Um, y- you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna back Daniel Ricardo to make a comeback in uh, in Baku because we've seen on circuits that he knows well, he's done all right. Like Monaco. Well, he had a rubbish qualifying. It was it was gone from the qualifying there. And to be fair, to be fair, his pace was all right on the hard tires as well. I heard. So he was up there with the top runners. Yeah, so maybe that's something positive to take. Absolutely. But as Joe said, he still got lapped. And that's not a nice feeling. Jimmy, what what are your predictions for Baku? Uh, Hamilton win. Verstappen second. Bottas third. But that's my top three, I think. So um, I could go through the whole grid, but I'm just going to do those three, I think. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see. I think McLaren will come back fighting. It's a bit weird what happened with his uh, wheel. Um, hopefully, I'll get it off and see what happened to it. 
Um, you mean Bottas? Yeah, yeah, indeed, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm sure I back Mercedes to come back fighting next time round. And what's your more wild prediction, Jimmy? You're a wild man. Uh, I am a wild man. That's correct. Um, my wild prediction for Baku is for George Russell to score his first point. Copying me from last week, and we saw how that went. He finished. Yeah, I, I didn't want to bring it up, Joe. I was badly wrong on that one. I am wondering who we've cursed this week because uh, I I cursed the Red Bull pit crew, and then then you then you you cursed the um, the uh, Mercedes strategy. So Jimmy, it's your turn to curse someone. Who would you like to curse? George Russell. Yeah. I'm well, yeah. I cursed uh, Ricardo last week. I said he might get a podium. Well, yeah. it's you poor from us, really. It just shows what we know. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Bugger all. But it's going to be an exciting race in Baku. That's my prediction, because it usually is. Is that is that your um, conservative prediction or your outlandish prediction? Because I hope it's your conservative one. If you push me... It, it better my, not be your outlandish prediction. No, my conservative... If we're doing it, my conservative prediction is that Baku's going to be wild like Jimmy. Um, and my wild prediction is that Charles Leclerc is going to win. Blimey. I don't... Yeah. Ferrari... Power-dominant circuit, that Ferrari engine's not... Not necessarily, Jimmy, because there's a, a lot of tight sections to that Azerbaijan circuit as well as the long straight. Ferrari could struggle on the long straight, but if they can get pole and potentially get away, who knows? Charles Leclerc could be back for redemption like Danny Rick. Yeah, very good. Yeah. <laughs> I like your methodology. Thank you very much, Jimmy and Joe. It's been enjoyable speaking to you about what is the jewel in the crown, the Monaco Grand Prix. Hopefully, though, Baku will be more interesting than that. Um, and it'll actually do something. Um, and that's only in two weeks' time. So... AJ on the line listeners it's not going to be long until we're back thank you very much for listening you can listen to this on Apple Podcasts Spotify Podcasts and many other places including the ajontheline.com website it's been a pleasure to do this podcast thank you for listening thank you Jimmy and Joe you've been brilliant as usual um, and goodbye <laughs>